You're listening to Comedy Central. March 13, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight, you know him and you love him from Queer Eye on Netflix. Karamo Brown is joining us, everybody. Also on tonight's show, Trump is bringing down airplanes, how dumb kids get into college, and why your AirPods are trying to kill you. <laughs> but first, let's catch up on today's headlines. First up, some exciting news for people who do not like dying in a plane crash. Breaking news, President Trump says the United States will issue an emergency order grounding all Boeing 737 MAX A's. After reviewing evidence from the Ethiopian Airlines crash, the U.S. is essentially the very last country to ban the aircrafts from flying. Here's the president. Any plane currently in the air will go to its destination and thereafter be grounded until further notice. So uh, planes that are in the air will be grounded if they're the 737 MAX, will be grounded upon landing at the destination. Okay, now, first of all, congratulations to President Trump for issuing an emergency order for something that might actually be an emergency. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Give it up, give it up. And also, can we appreciate how cute he is when, <laughs> when he's trying to explain something to us that someone had to explain to him five minutes ago? He's like, all the airplanes will be grounded, but not the ones flying. Um, they can land first, then they will be grounded. Um, some people didn't understand how you can ground a plane in the sky, but I'm not those people. I knew always those ones will be grounded. So as of today, any plane that might be unsafe to fly will be grounded until it can be repainted with Spirit Airlines on the side. <laughs> Spirit Airlines, how are we not grounded? <laughs> In other news, everyone who complained that Paul Manafort's sentence last week was too light, well, good news, your prayers have been answered. This is CNN Breaking News. A week after receiving a surprisingly light 47-month sentence in another courtroom, Manafort was given a much stiffer sentence closer to the maximum. The judge adding another 43 months on top of those 47 that he's already going to serve. Wow. 43 months plus 47 months from the other trial. That's 90 months. Yeah, so in years, divided by 12, uh... <laughs> Look, I think we all have the answer in our heads. There's no need to say it out loud. The point is, Manafort will actually be serving a lot of time in prison. Although, it will still feel shorter than the five months he spent working for Donald Trump. <laughs> and as if this day wasn't bad enough for Manafort, minutes after his second sentence was handed down, the Manhattan district attorney hits him with 16 new charges. Yeah this time involving mortgage fraud. I know, it's crazy. More crimes so soon after the last one. <laughs> Paul Manafort is the Medea movies of crime. <laughs> He's like, this is another one, and another one, and another one. 
And finally, moving on to some technology news, if you wear Apple AirPods, you may be at risk of something even worse than looking totally cool. Officials warn those popular AirPods that so many of us have could be harmful for your brain. 250 scientists from over 40 countries have signed a petition to warn against radio wave radiation from wireless technologies. Experts warn the close proximity of wireless headphones like AirPods, especially the fact that one has to communicate through the other right through your brain. Well, that could cause some serious health risk. The radiation they emit has been linked to cancer, though, in some cases. AirPods? AirPods might give you brain cancer. Whew. Still better than having to untangle wires, I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, people, I'm not going back, all right? I'm not going back to wires for any... Do you guys remember? how tangled your shits would get, yeah? You just put it in your pocket and then when you come out, it's like a ball that's tied for life. Every couple of weeks, I'd have to take my earbuds to an old sailor to get them straightened out. <laughs> and he smoked like a chimney and he sold me really bad molly, so AirPods are still better for me, I think. And look, there's always these scare stories in the news, right? And half the time, they're not actually as bad as the news makes it sound. Like, for all we know, next week, they'll say that AirPods are actually good for you, you know? I mean, in comic books, radiation turns you into a superhero, yeah. <laughs> So how do you know my AirPods won't turn me into the Apple genius? <laughs> yeah, like I'm in the Justice League also, but my power is just that I know the entire iTunes terms and conditions, you know? <laughs> Batman is fighting the Joker and I'm like, Batman, prices for volume content offered via the service may change at any time. Also, look out for that guy who killed you while I was talking. <laughs> Superman, Batman is dead because I speak for too long. Also, Apple's delivery of content does not transfer any promotional rights to you. Okay, Wonder Woman, you're next. <laughs> you know what's funny is that even as the Apple genius, I still wouldn't be the worst DC superhero out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to today's top story. American universities all around the world, they're known as some of the most prestigious institutions of learning. And so, to get into them, you have to work hard. You have to volunteer. You have to play sports. You have to get super high grades. Or you can just have shady rich parents. Federal prosecutors today revealed what they say is the largest case of college admissions fraud in U.S. history, charging coaches and affluent parents, including Hollywood elite, in a massive bribery scheme to fast-track kids into some of the country's top universities, including Yale and Stanford. All told, the 33 people named in the indictment paid an alleged $25 million in bribes. Those kids' parents now facing jail time include real estate moguls, wine vineyard owners, entrepreneurs like trend expert Jane Buckingham, who posted this inspiring Instagram message last spring. Don't cheat, it reads. Yeah. Yeah, don't cheat, because I'm cheating. <laughs> and if we all start cheating, then it's fair game. So what even is the point? <laughs> but this story is a bombshell, all right? Dozens of rich parents, including Hollywood actors, accused of straight up bribing their kids' way into college. I mean, some of these parents allegedly paid up to $6.5 million, which is insane. Honestly, for that amount of money, just buy a smarter kid. <laughs> now, the alleged mastermind of this entire scheme is a man named William Singer, right? Parents paid him millions of dollars, and then he spread those bribes around. According to prosecutors, the scheme involved two kinds of fraud, 
Parents paying a college prep organization to help their children cheat on SAT or ACT exams, and others paying to allegedly bribe college coaches to help admit the students as athletes regardless of their athletic skill. Sanger went as far as to Photoshop kids' pictures into sporting events even made up athletic achievements. In one instance, a parent sending this photo showing their daughter playing water polo in high school, but in fact the photo was another student. Ooh wait, the balls on these people <laughs> to just literally Photoshop their kids' faces onto the bodies of real athletes. And I also can't believe nobody noticed this. Because the parent was just there like, we're so proud of our little Joshua. He is like, here he is during the state championship game. <laughs> and here he is in the spring when he won the gold medal at the track meet. <laughs> so reportedly, reportedly, these college coaches would take bribes to pretend that they needed these non-athletes on their teams. And then once the kids got into the school, the kids would just never play. Yeah, you know what I think? I think the perfect punishment for these coaches would be forcing them to compete with a team full of all the fake athletes that they recruited. Yeah, that should be the punishment. And then, and then on top of that, on top of that, we say that they have to win the championship or all of them go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like a really uninspiring Disney movie. From the makers of the Mighty Ducks comes the Wealthy Dicks. <laughs> I think it has potential, guys. I really think it does. And now there's some people out there who might sympathize with these parents, you know? Because they might be saying, like, every parent wants the best for their kids, which is true. Every parent does want the best for their kids. I mean, except for prairie dogs, you know? Yeah, no, because prairie dogs eat their young. Yeah, oh, don't awe me. This is the animal kingdom, it's brutal. Yeah, this is real life. It's not like the Lion King. Warthogs friends with lions? No. In real life, Simba would be face deep in Pumbaa's intestines, all right? That's how it would be. Yeah, Hakuna Matata, my ass. That warthog would have a lot of Mataras, my friend. <laughs> anyway, my point is, before you feel sympathy for these parents for just wanting the best for their kids, remember that these kids already had so many advantages, all right? They went to the best high schools. They could easily afford tutors and extracurriculars, but clearly it still wasn't enough. I mean, these parents are shameless. Like, they're literally on shameless. Oh, and here's another reason. Here's another reason you shouldn't feel bad for these parents, because it turns out a lot of them are a bunch of dicks. Marcy Palatella told Confidential Witness One her and her spouse laugh every day about how grateful they were for CW1 services. Quote, we're like, it was worth every cent. A wiretap transcript details a father and singer creating a plan to trick USC into thinking his son was a football kicker. The father laughing, telling Singer, that's just totally hilarious, admitting his son's high school doesn't have a football team. The FBI says some parents disguise their payments to Singer as contributions to a charity he ran so they could deduct the payments on their income taxes. Wow, wow. So not only were they laughing about scamming these schools, it turns out they were also scamming the IRS. How greedy can a person be? Because, I mean, they're already committing bribery. And then on top of that, they claim it was to charity to get their bribes back from the IRS. Like, they just added a bonus crime to the crime that they already committed. That was not necessary. It's like you're robbing a bank, and then on the way out, you start stealing the pens. While I'm here! <laughs> Meh. So these parents could be facing some pretty serious time. Um, knowing them, they're probably trying to bribe their way into the best prisons, you know? <laughs> they're probably like, why should you accept me into your prison? Well, I actually ran the library at Shawshank. Here's a photo of me. 
doing that. So uh, I think you should let me in. Obviously, obviously I'm joking. None of these rich people are actually gonna go to prison. Come on. No, I'm being serious. At worst, they're probably gonna get community service. Yeah, like they'll have to pick up trash in Beverly Hills. Be like, ah, another $100 bill on the ground. <laughs> so dirty. So honestly, I won't lie. I don't feel any sympathy for these parents, but their kids on the other hand, their kids, that's another story. Because according to prosecutors, most of the kids had no idea that their parents took part in this scheme. And this is such a shitty way to find out that your parents think you're a dumbass. <laughs> because they paid to make your life easier. Like, if I was one of these kids, now I would be questioning everything good that happens to me in life. Like, if one of my good-looking classmates hit on me, I'd be like, you don't really like me. <laughs> You're just my dad in a wig. Give me that hair. Give me that hair. Give me that... Ah. Oh, wow, it was real. Oh, uh, Dad, I did it again. I need you to bail me out. <laughs> For more on this college admission scandal, we're joined now by a man who spends most of his time on college campuses, Michael Costa, everybody. <laughs> As a college expert, I would love to know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, Trevor, this is the biggest college scandal since I was kicked off my a cappella team for, quote, unquote, bringing a gun to rehearsal. <laughs> they love their rules. But I'll tell you what, the whole thing just makes it clear to me that we need affirmative action. Yeah, you know what, I agree, Michael. Yeah. We need affirmative action because that would help minority students compete against these well-connected families. No, 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 you moron. I mean, we need affirmative action for dumb rich kids because if we stop letting wealthy parents bribe colleges, then their kids won't be able to get in. And dumb rich kids are just as important to campus diversity as any other minority. <laughs> Sure, black and Asian students add new perspectives, but without Spencer, the trust fund baby, who's gonna ride a wheelchair off Sigma Chi's roof screaming lines from Anchorman? Without dumb rich kids, who's gonna teach me how to soak a tampon in vodka and put it up my ass so I can get drunk without having vodka breath? So, so... Michael, you approve of what these parents did? Yeah, but not in the way they were doing it. Secretly bribing colleges is despicable. They should be openly bribing these schools. Like, build a library and put their name on it. Then we all know who the dumb rich kids are. If, if Thatcher Worthington is going to class at Worthington Hall, everyone knows in that class not to work with him in a group assignment. And when, and when we all know who the dumb kids are, we can funnel them to jobs where they can't hurt anybody, like brand management or real estate, or who are those people that instruct you through yoga? A, a yoga instructor? Well, Professor Brainiac over here, huh? <laughs> the point is, if parents are bribing people in secret, then we don't know who the dumb kids are, and we might end up letting them be engineers or doctors, like, could you imagine if you got heart surgery from Donald Trump Jr.? He'd probably get mixed up and put a can of Axe body spray in there. Yeah, but, but, but Costa, I hear what you're saying, but shouldn't we be trying to fix the overall system? Mm. Shouldn't people get into college based on merits alone? Trevor, our forefathers fought hard for a just and equal society. And I would love to talk about the American dream with you, but I gotta go, that vodka tampon is kicking in, so. <laughs> Thanks for the tip, Spence. You're my dog, Michael buddy. Michael Costa, everyone. We'll be right back.
back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the culture expert on the Netflix series Queer Eye, who has a new memoir called Caramo, the story of embracing purpose, healing, and hope. Please welcome Caramo Brown. Can I just say, first of all, I love how you pronounce my name. It's, it's so weird because I, you know, it's it, it, like, because in South Africa we have Karabo, and then in Africa, obviously, we have Karamo and a chase, but then like, and then people here are like, Karamo. Yeah. And then, but then I, I, I say it the way that, you actually talk about this in the book. Yes. Which, by the way, is truly, truly fascinating as far as someone's life story goes. Thank you. Um, we, can, we, may, we may even start with that. You, 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 you get this name, you, you, you're given this name by your parents, and for, the, the, the most of your life, you grew up in Texas, you, you hated the name that you had, why? Completely, I mean, you're, I'm growing up in predominantly white neighborhoods with immigrant parents and was going to schools where um, my name was not special. It was perceived different, people made fun of it. And as a child, you just wanna fit in. You don't wanna be seen as different, right. you just want right. to. And so, you know, in the comfort of my home, I loved my name, my father said it like you. Right. And so I loved it, but then the minute I got to school and teachers would say Karambo or Kamumu or whatever, Right. It, it, you know, it kills your self-esteem. And so uh, I had to learn and grow to love all parts of myself and my name being the first challenge. That really is, for me, the theme of this book. You know, the title says it all, my story of embracing purpose, healing, and hope. But it really is a story about embracing yourself as a person. That's what, that's what I connected to in the book because you tell this tale of how you grew up in a world where you felt like you were always on the outside. Yep. You then go to a predominantly black university and, and all of a sudden you feel like you have a connection and a feeling. But as a young gay man, you also had a journey that you had to go on. Completely. I mean, my life was riddled with challenge after challenge after challenge because of my identities, from having immigrant parents to being a black man to being a gay man to having so many different issues. And it, it was me constantly trying to figure out how to navigate the love that I had for myself. It's right. the same thing I do with the heroes on Queer Eye, of helping them to dig deep and find the love in themselves. And that's what I do with this book. It's about being open and transparent about, though I'm here at this space, I had to work through that to get to this place right. where where I am now, and if I can do it, anyone out of there can do it. Any of you friends can do it. Trust and believe. It really is. It really is a book that is transparent. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect when I picked it up, but, but you speak in depth about growing up in a home with domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. And while you yourself weren't abused personally, you still experienced this abuse in the household. And what really struck me is, is a part in the book where you talk about something that I could really relate to, where you talk about how you didn't realize that you were becoming like the abusive father that you were so afraid of and, and, and despised so much. Yeah. Explain what that actually means. Well, you know, my father was abusive to my mother, and though he never hit me, I grew up in a household where I knew abuse was prevalent. But as I was growing up, I was always taught men don't hit women. Right. But the conversation, how do you have that when the little boy is not going to engage with women, he's going to engage with other men. Right. And so as I got older, anytime I would have anger issues or feel betrayed or hurt, I had been told my entire life, it's okay to hit another boy. That's what men do, men fight. Right. And so now I'm in these relationships where I then would get upset and I was hitting my partners and was becoming my father in essence. And what I realized is um, through research is that domestic violence in the LGBT community is higher than it is in straight communities. Yet it's never talked about because police aren't trained, social workers aren't trained enough, nurses aren't trained enough. And so 
people in LGBT couples are experiencing domestic violence and are not getting any support or help. You actually talk about one of your relationships where you were abusive to one of your partners and the police got called in. Yeah. And they basically just dismissed it. Completely. I sat arrogantly at the door thinking, looking at my partner who was hurting and saying, oh yeah, call the police. They're not going to do anything. And just like I thought, the police came to the door and they saw two men and they said, oh, you all just work it out. You, right. you, you two friends work it out. They didn't even have the language or the ability to say you are in a couple in a relationship. Yes. And, you know, obviously I've grown past that. I've asked for forgiveness from all my partners. I've worked on my um, anger issues. And and, you know, these are things I'm expressing there because I want people at home to see if I can really look transparently at myself and say, this is who I was, but I want to be better. I want to grow through this then anyone else can do it. And I think that's a key message that people need to hear and understand. It, it really is a beautiful message that, that, that you're delivering in the book and in your life. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's only fitting that you became a father in honestly one of the most <laughs> bizarre circumstances ever. <laughs> yeah. This, you, you discovered that you had a son from a girlfriend f- from really a previous life that you had. Yeah. The... But, this is a 10-year-old child that comes into your life. Yeah, the first and last girl I dated, we lost her virginity together. And um, after we were done, I was like, never doing that again. Um, and then she moved away. It was like, you know, this is before the advent of the internet as we know it yes, today. Yes, so yes. if you didn't have a house phone or, and I'm not that old, or, you know, an address, it was like they were gone. And so 10 years later, I was coming home from this event in this drug stupor and there was a stack of papers on my doorstep and now I was on MTV's Real World before and I thought they were doing some punked version for the real world and I thought like oh they're punking the gay guy making him think he has a kid so I thought Ashton Kutcher was in my house and I I went downstairs changed because I was excited to meet Ashton and Ashton wasn't in there um just a bill for a child I didn't even know about and had to go on this journey to um, first of all, figure out who I was because I was still a child trying to raise myself, right. realizing that I had to raise this child, but then also figuring out how to navigate with his mother so that we could communicate and co-parent for our child to have the best life possible. And luckily it worked out. Um, she and I are in great space. She's an amazing woman. I got full custody of my son. I then adopted his younger brother. So I became a father of two. And um, now my boys are 12 and 18, but I got them at 10 and seven. And so, you know, it's just been quite a journey to fatherhood. It really has been quite a journey for yeah. you. Queer Eye is a breakthrough success. Yeah. I mean, I remember when it started on Netflix and instantly everyone was just like, what is this? And other people were like, it's back. <laughs> everyone loves it across the board. What do you think the success of Queer Eye owes its... You know, what, what do you think it owes its success to? Is, is there something about how you all act authentically on the show? Is it about the fact that you're all different? What do, what do you think it is that connects with people? I think it's all of those things. I think, first of all, it's a very diverse cast. The first cast wasn't that diverse. First of all, the first show was amazing. Right. I love those guys. They paved a path for us. But we're very very diverse in our ages, in our races, in our cultural backgrounds, in our gender expressions to the world. Um, Also, you know, I I, I applaud myself as well because I sort of led the charge as bringing more emotion. Like, you know, um, what the other four guys do are exceptional. I could never design a house. I could never cut someone's hair unless you want me to give you an edge up. (laughs) I mean, you look good, but I'll try try it. I just um, got queer-eyed. Exactly. No, no, you look good. You look good. (laughs) 
Um, but one of the things is that I say you can change the exterior, but unless you figure out why you haven't cut your hair in 20 years, why you haven't fixed your home in 10 right, years, right, right. then the problem is just going to reoccur. And I think people are really latching on to the emotional attachment. You know, like one of our things is, you know, people are crying a lot. And I'm, I'm proud to say that part of the interaction I have with our heroes is bringing out those emotional moments and allowing people to see that they can grow through their issues. Well, honestly, if people don't love you already, they're going to love you even more from reading this book. Uh, excited for Queer Eye. It's always on Netflix. And uh, I'm excited for, to listen to your new podcast that's coming out. Thank you for being on the yes, show, Yes, man. yes. Really podcast, excited, man. Yes. Season three of Queer Eye launches on Netflix March 15th. His memoir is available now. Karamo Brown, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.